Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Why Our Faith is Stretched. Why Our Faith is Stretched, and we're going to be finishing up Genesis 22, third week in there. Does anybody remember the Stretch Armstrong toy? Anybody have one? No, yeah. Some of you probably still have one. Keep it. It'll be worth money someday. Probably is. But it was that gel-filled guy, remember? I'm showing my age. I know. Gel-filled guy. And you could stretch him way out. As far as you could just two of you pulling and you could tie him in a knot, tie him in a bow. You know, it was like, you know, this, you could really stretch this guy out. Do you ever feel like Stretch Armstrong? You ever feel like you're being stretched to your limit? Uh, you ever say, God, what are you doing? I can't stretch any further. This is it. This is it. You ever feel that way? Then you're going to really appreciate today and what we do here with Genesis 22. Now, we're, we're going to be back in Joshua next week. All right? Back in Joshua. We actually are working our way through the book of Joshua. But um, uh, we saw the connection from when we hit Jerusalem in Joshua. We saw the connection in Jerusalem and we saw the thread, we followed the thread to Genesis 22, the prophetic connection to Jerusalem. And then we saw also the prophetic connection to Palm Sunday and to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We saw these, these connections. And then we hit the practical. We hit the practical. When your faith, first we did the prophetic, then we did the practical. And we talked about the last time I was here, when your faith is tested. When your faith is tested. And why God asks us to sacrifice someone or something in our life. And we saw how God idol-proofs our lives. He idol-proofs our lives. He, he tests us. He exposes what's in our heart when he takes something away or someone away. Or he moves us. It's not always someone. It could be something. But it could be not removing something. It could just be moving us. He moves us and he tests what's in our heart. And oftentimes, we talked about this, how someone or something takes God's place in our hearts... So he removes them or that thing or he moves us. He moves us. And in a sense, this is a negative aspect of Genesis 22, the story. But there's also a positive reason why God removes or moves us that we're going to see today. Let's start with prayer. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for the many ministries that we're hearing about and how you're working in people's hearts and lives. Lord, we pray that you, your spirit would work in our hearts and lives now this morning. Through your word, through your Holy Spirit, we pray for your mercy and grace to work. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's read it again. Uh, Genesis 22. We'll do verses 1 through 18. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham... Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering as one of, on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, once again, if you weren't here the last couple of times, go on the podcast, YouTube, get the CDs, because there's, this is a prophetic picture, which we already talked about, okay? But then verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. 
On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, and the two of them went on together. Once again, the prophetic picture. I almost want to preach it again. It's so awesome, isn't it? So if you didn't hear those, listen. Awesome prophetic picture of Jesus Christ, obviously. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here am I, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by the horns. its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son... I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. And we continue to see that prophecy fulfilled. Israel celebrated their 70th anniversary this week. The prophetic picture promised. God continues to bless us through the nation of Israel. So, here we go. Genesis 22. This is a wild one. God often, and this is what we're going to focus on, God often tests our faith in order to grow us spiritually. God often tests our faith in order to grow us spiritually. God stretches our faith. That's why I wrote why our faith is stretched. That's why I called it that. God stretches our faith. Look at Abraham. Let's look at Abraham. Abraham had four great crises in his life when God stretched him. When he was asked to surrender something. Four times in Abraham's life he was asked to surrender something very, very important. The first one, and to be thinking, what uh, I should have made that a question on my email. But anyway, Genesis 12.1 is the first one. In Genesis 12.1, listen to what it says here. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. He was called, first of all, to leave his home and and all he was familiar with. That had to be a shock, right? That had to be a shock. It must have rocked Abraham's world. It would be like getting a job transfer. If you've always lived in the same place, getting a job transfer across the country. Or going off to college when you've always been at home or or military a lot of people experience this and the, when they go into the military they, they go all around the world in the military or a missions or a trip just like Evans going on a trip that's going to be a long time away all right that that, that going into missions or a mission trip 
he was, that was the first surrender that God called him to make. The second one is in Genesis 13. In Genesis 13, God led him, and I'm not going to read the whole passage, but God led him to separate from his nephew Lot, right? From his nephew Lot. And Lot was like a son to him, probably was going to adopt him, was going to leave his legacy to him because Abraham didn't have, didn't have a son. But God, God uh, called him to separate. God had other plans. God had a miraculous son through his wife, Sarah, planned. Even though they were very old, ended up being 90 and 100 when they had this baby. It's a miracle baby. A miracle baby. Um, God had the plans to send a son through his wife, Sarah. So in Genesis 13... I'll read what happens here. Look how God asked them to, to, to separate. Verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and silver and gold. From the Negev he went to a place, uh, went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar, there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. We know what Lot picked, the wrong direction, <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah. That's a whole other sermon. Uh, but this fighting, notice what happened. This, this friction, this fighting leads to a split. They, he, they realized that the partnership was not working. But this was really God's leading. God's leading. God was in this. In fact, right after, we're going to see in chapter 13 also, uh, verse 14, look what happens, what God says. After they part, after they separate, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust then your offspring, offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. Just something hit me as I was reading it. The offspring wasn't just the Jewish people, but we also know it's who? All children of faith. All Christians who have put their faith in, in the, the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ, are also his offspring. That's why there's many, 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 right? Beautiful prophetic picture once again. But right after this, God, after back to Lot and Abraham and the friction and, and separation, God planned to give it all to Abraham's offspring. And we know who that was. Isaac, right? Uh, this was God's leading. God often used what I, uses what I call holy frustration. Holy frustration. Not just frustration, but holy frustration to accomplish his purpose. It's when we have frustration with someone or something that leads us along God's plan. That leads us to fulfill God's purpose. 
And we're just frustrated. But if, if we really pray about it and look at it, we realize that there's a holy, it's a holy frustration. We look back at what God did, we realize that God had a purpose in it. It could be a relationship. You might have, uh, it could be that you're dating somebody very serious or even engaged them, but then all of a sudden there's all this friction and fighting going on. And, 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 and there's a breakup, and later on you look back and say, wow, God had a better fit for me. I can see God had a different person in mind. could be a job. Same thing. Lots of frustration. You hit the wall. And, and, and a lot of times we're like, what's going on? What's going on? And a lot of times I say, pray about it. God may be leading you to a different uh, calling, a different place. He has a different, he has a purpose in this. Could be ministry. Same thing in ministry. A lot of times, you know, someone, you get frustrated in, in, a, in a ministry or in a church we're at. And I've even counseled people. They, they're so frustrated at our church or another church or wherever they are. And I, over the years, I've, I've said, listen, this, this, what you desire is actually a good thing. Maybe God is leading you. Leading you to a different type of a ministry. And instead of staying and getting frustrated and everybody getting frustrated with you, God may have a purpose in this. Now, not always, but sometimes God has a purpose. He's using it to, 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 to use you in a, in a whole new way. It doesn't mean, but now listen, it doesn't mean we jump ship every time we get frustrated. I'm not saying that, all right? But when it's sustained frustration, we should pray about the reason. And maybe the reason is God wants us to persevere. And he wants, us to, he wants to work on our, the character in our life, right? And, and that's the reason for why we're going through what we're going through. But sometimes as we're praying through it, we realize it's a holy frustration. A holy frustration that God is preparing us for a whole new direction. And I've seen that many times in people's lives when they're frustrated in this spot and God's led them to a whole different spot and, and blessed that. And, and that's, that's, that's a, something that we see here in Genesis 13. A third faith stretch for Abraham is in Genesis 21. I'm not going to read the whole story here, but in Genesis 21, God told him to send his son Ishmael away. He basically disowned him. If you know the story, you know what I'm talking about. He basically disowned him. Now, that sounds very harsh, but if you read, the, if you really understand the whole picture biblically, we know that he came from an ungodly relationship. Right? It was an adulterous relationship. It was a fleshly plan. Abraham and Sarah couldn't have children. They came up plan B. Here, sleep with my servant. Right? And so she, he sleeps with her and has a son. That wasn't God's plan. God promised them a son. But he didn't say, use Hagar, you know, this, this, this cute Egyptian servant there. He didn't say to do that. Right? That, that was a fleshly plan, not faith. So this came from an ungodly relationship. It was not in God's plan wasn't what God wanted. And not only that, the boy had an ungodly character. An ungodly character. In fact, we see a hint of that in chapter 21. He was mocking. He was a mocker. And if you study the rest of his life, you see, and, and you'll see that it carried on. And if you study his offspring, you, we know it's carried on to this day. The ungodly line that persecutes God's people. So, uh, but that had to still shake up Abraham because he loved his, his son, even though it wasn't God's plan, it wasn't who God wanted. He, he, he still loved his son. That had to really shake him up. And now we come to the fourth great sacrifice, Genesis 22. Genesis 22, God asked Abraham to give up his son Isaac. And not just give him up, but to do what? Kill him. Kill him with his own hands. 
Now, once again, prophetic. We all know Jesus. You know, it's a picture of Jesus. But back to Abraham, in our lives, our spiritual lives, these four tests, our spiritual lives can be traced to a series of tests. Look at your own life. As you meditate on this passage throughout this, this week, look at how the series of tests, this is how God grows us. He puts us through a series of, of spiritual tests to grow us, and that's what stretches our faith, why our, why our faith is stretched. stretches our faith. And often there is an ultimate test, an ultimate test that all the others prepared us for. They all prepare us for it. Look at Abraham. Four steps. And each step took him forward in his spiritual life and his spiritual growth. It stretched him until he faced the ultimate test of his faith where he was stretched to the very limit. Called to sacrifice his one and only son of promise. How did Abraham respond to this test of faith? Obedience. Obedient faith. He obeyed even though it didn't make any sense to human reason. Because he believed that God could do the impossible. He believed that God would, remember he said, we'll be back. He believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. Once again, prophetic picture. Remember Hebrews? We read this a couple weeks ago. Hebrews 11, 17 to 19, where it says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had, who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead, back from death. That's what faith is all about. That's why we can keep our hope. This is how we can remain faithful. This is how we can be obedient. No matter what we face, no matter what happens in our life, we can do this because we know that this is not the end. Abraham believed he would be resurrected. We have that same faith. We know this isn't the end. God will resurrect us someday. He's going to resurrect us someday. And God will make things right in eternity. Things that don't look fixable. In our lives, in our churches, in our families, in our country. Things that look impossible to fix. God is going to make it right in eternity. It's not over. Somebody didn't get away with anything. Oh, that guy got away with blah, blah. Nobody gets away with anything. God's going to make everything right. Should make us all nervous, right? God is going to make everything right in eternity. And he will answer every question we have when we get to heaven. All these questions we have. He's going to answer it. There's going to be this long line. <laughs> and we're going to keep getting back on. Wait, yeah, but what about, uh, what about this? 
Why did you let this happen? Why did you do this? Why didn't you book? He's going gonna, gonna to be a long line. Just get in line. You're going to have eternity to get our questions answered. You're going to have forever. And what was the result of Abraham's obedient faith? He was obedient, obedient faith. What was, the, what was the result? And this is big and it's so easy to miss the result of his obedient faith. Genesis 22, verse 14. And I'll bet, I'll bet you never even noticed this before. It's awesome. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now we know that was... Where the temple's built, prophetic, but, but this is wild. God will provide. The Hebrew is literally, some of you know the song. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. Abraham, this first time he called God this. Abraham now knew God in a much deeper way than he ever knew him before. He had called them other things before, but he never called them Jehovah Jireh. God provides. He discovered the depth of God's grace. He realized. That God will provide his grace no matter what he was going to face. Realizing that God will provide his grace no matter what trial we are facing. And it's no accident. It's no accident that when we... When God's grace brings us through the hardest trial... Think of the hardest thing you've ever been through... When God's grace brings us through that, that's when we feel closest to him. Right? That's when we are closest to God. When he brings us through that. It's when we surrender everything to him in, in complete obedience and dependence that we really know God and his grace. And we really finally understand that he, will, he can bring us through anything. That he's always there for us. All the things we used to fear and be afraid of and worry about, when he brings us through that, we now know him in a way that we never knew him before. A, a whole new intimacy. And that's what happened here with, with Abraham. That he's always there for us. Do we, do each one of us know the, God, the depth of God's mercy and grace. Is God testing you? Asking you to give up someone or something. Even something good. So that he could accomplish something great. He often asks us to give up really good stuff. So that he could do something really great in our life. Have we take, taken, have we passed the take test? Remember I talked about the take test? Not the taste test, but the take test. He took something. How did we respond? Who or what do we need to let go of? Whether it's a person, whether it's plans, whether it's pleasures. What do we need to let go of? Do we believe? Do we believe that God can and will make it all right? Either here or in eternity. 
It's not limited to here. Do we really believe that he's going to make it all right? Here or there? Have we continued to obey God as we're going through this stretching time when he asks us to give something up or to, to, to remove or to move? Are we, do we continue to obey God? But Because often when God takes away something that turns out it was an idol, we replace it with another idol. He takes one thing away and we turn to something else. He, he, he removes something and we try to fill that hole that it left with drugs and alcohol. We self-medicate, right? With a pill. We, we, we try to, to fix it that way. I, I talked last week about the guy who was... Uh, uh, I talked last week about... Last time I was here about the guy who was a, a Division I basketball player. And I, I shared about how he had that injury and how he... How he because of that injury, he wasn't allowed, able to play anymore in college. So he turned to, to alcohol and drugs. And to this day, as far as I know, he's still... In a horrible place because of that. Why? Because God, was, God knew that was an idol in his life. And he was trying to move him forward spiritually. But the guy turned to another idol. Instead of to God. Instead of growing spiritually. And, and he missed out on the spiritual growth. He missed out on the stretching of his faith that God had intended. And now he's in a horrible place. That's a negative story. A positive one. I asked Meg if I could sh share this. I tried to get her to say it, but she wouldn't come up. But anyway, I'm not married to her, so I can't force her like uh, Kim. <laughs> but Meg, Meg, a lot of you, I don't know if you realize, but she was a really good soccer player. And she got a, a, a scholarship to a Division I school to play soccer. And she went off to college uh, and uh, had, a, had quite an experience. The soccer part went great. She, soccer went super, but, but it was a very negative atmosphere. Lots of suspensions. It was a really negative atmosphere, spiritually. Uh, spiritually, she grew because she was kind of like Daniel in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, she grew. But it, it was just an onslaught of a very negative uh, culture that she was part of. And the soccer part went great, but she's like, you know what? I know I'm not supposed to be here for three more years. First year was great, but, but she knew that God was going to move her. And so she prayed about it, and she got connected, and she finally went to Karen University uh, to, to go to school. And it was great fellowship, and she was just loved being there. It was great fellowship, and she got a really great biblical worldview um, and she got to play soccer. The next year, she went out for soccer. First game, she did super. You know, it, was, it did great. Everything's going to be great. And then the next game, she tore her ACL. So she's already had God say, no, you're not going to play Division One." So she comes over here, and now, now he's like, sounds like you're not even going to play soccer, at least for this year. But it was really good spiritually for her. Um, it, she, she got to really be a servant to the team and, and she got to bond with them in a whole different way and um, sh she got her surgery it was very painful but it was great spiritually she rehabs she gets through that year and she comes back the next year and have, they have a super junior season super junior year awesome Everything, they, she had a great great year team did really well um, everything was going great and she comes back for her senior year, and she tore ACL again. Fluke. The doctor, it's a fluke. This never happens. It's one in a thousand. We all know what that means. 
God has a purpose, right? And so now she's going to lose her senior season, and she doesn't know what to do. And, and, but through praying, for it, praying about it and investigating and everything, she's like, if I get surgery, I'm going to lose a season. I think I'm just going to try to play without an ACL, which you know is pretty much impossible. Uh, but she's like, I'm just going to try it. And we were all, I'm like, I'm like, don't do it. I remember saying, just get the surgery. Let it go. You know? No, I, I really think I'm supposed to. So she tries to play her senior year without an ACL. Soccer. And if you ever saw Megan play, she is like vertical to the ground, half, you know, horizontal half the time. She's like cutting, cutting, cutting. You can need an ACL. But I said, well, well, okay, if you feel led to do it, let's do it. Let's really pray about it. And she's praying, 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 dependent. And I said, let's just take it a game at a time. If you get one game, you get a game. It's great. So we, that's what we did. We prayed through a game at a time. And after the game, she'd be limping. Across the parking lot, we're going to go get something to eat. And she's like, wait, wait for me. She could early walk. Next game we'd pray, she'd play again, and she had a great year, somehow. Led her team in scoring, did all kinds of good things for her team. And, and she grew spiritually through this. She doesn't even know how much she grew. Now, what if Megan had gotten mad and bitter? What hap would happen? Like the guy I told you about, the basketball player, she would have missed out on how God was trying to stretch her faith. She would have missed out on that. How is God speaking to us? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us today? What step of surrender is God calling us to make like Abraham? Maybe God is moving us out of our comfort zone, just like with Abraham, right? Moving us out of our comfort zone. And I have that, that magnet on my refrigerator still that we gave out a while back. Remember, life begins where, the, where our comfort zone ends, right? I hope you still have that magnet up. Or the next step, maybe God has rocked our world with a dramatic change of plans. Or maybe the next one, God has shocked us by breaking a bond in our life. Something good so that he could do something great in our life. Or perhaps you're on our, your final step. God is calling you to make the ultimate sacrifice in your life. Only each one of us knows what that is. Are we going through a crisis? Are we growing Closer to God as we go through this. Are we, and this is important, are we growing closer? Are we glimpsing and grasping his grace? Just like Abraham. Are we glimpsing and grasping his grace as we go through that? Has God called us to give up something or someone or to be removed or to move? Are we willing to let go? Are we willing to let go? Are we going to hang on till, till it breaks, till we break, Right? Or are we going to allow God to stretch our faith? Are we going to hang on to that thing or that person and try to control the situation? Are we going to try to do that until, until God has to break our fingers? Or at least crack our knuckles? Or are we going to allow God to stretch our faith and to stretch the situation? 
And I, and I came up with a couple of G's to remember for this, to take home. I didn't put it on a magnet, but you're going to have to remember it. I, wrote, I, I came up with give it up, grieve it, because we've got to grieve it, right? Whatever it is, it's okay to grieve. We have to give it up, grieve it, and then grow in grace. Grow in grace. Understanding God's grace. Say it with me. Give it up, grieve it, grow in grace. There's four G's there to help you remember. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian yet. Before we go to prayer here, I want to say this. Maybe you're not a Christian yet. But God is taking something from you to bring you to him. God often has to do that. Always has to do that, doesn't he? He has to, he has to break something. He has to bring us to our knees and bring us to the cross of Jesus Christ. And when God calls us, he knows exactly what it will take. He knows exactly what to take. He knows what to move and what to remove. He knows exactly. And some, sometimes it's, it's, always, no, it's always painful. I, I remember someone I was talking to who had lost a daughter. And the man wasn't a Christian originally, but his daughter was a very strong believer. And when she was killed, it broke him. He was stubborn spiritually. He was telling me, he goes, but I finally, when, when she was killed, I, I went to church. I went to her church. I just wanted to see what was so important to her. And he said, I sat there week after week. And I finally got it. I realized that Jesus died for my sin so that I could have a relationship with God, his Father. And I put my faith in Jesus. I'll never forget, he said, I hate to think it took the loss of my daughter to bring me to Jesus. But it did. And he said, I lost my daughter, but I found Jesus. And not only did I find Jesus, but now I know I will be with my daughter forever. Have you put your faith in Jesus? What is God calling you to surrender so, in, so that you can give your life to him? Let's pray. And always as we go to prayer, we always have a prayer team if during prayer, if you need someone to pray with up front, there's people on both sides to pray with. During the last song, you could come up. After the service is over, we always have a team. They'll stay as long as you need to stay here and pray with you about something that you need praying about.
But as we go to this time of prayer, maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never come to the cross on your knees for forgiveness. But today could be that day. You're here for a reason. God has brought you here for a reason, a purpose. You can find life today. You can trade that old life and all the sin and all the garbage in your life. You can trade that for God's perfect life, his perfect purpose, his plan. From here to eternity. By putting your faith in Jesus Christ. It's a simple prayer of faith that we see in the Bible. God, please forgive me. I repent of the sin, all the garbage in my life, the sin in my life, the rebellion. I repent. Please forgive me. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. My complete trust in Jesus that he died on the cross in my place. He came back alive from the dead to prove he was the son of God. And I'm putting my faith in him. I give my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith from your heart to God, something amazing has happened to you. You are now going to experience God's grace in a way you never thought possible. You're going to now have a relationship with God in a whole new way. And you're going to have a whole new life that starts this second and goes on through all of eternity. With God. I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've prayed that prayer of faith, if you've given your life to Jesus. You could tell me on the way out. You could fill out the card in the bulletin and put it in the box. You can email, text, tell someone you came with, a friend or family member. Let somebody know because we're going to be so excited and, and encourage you in your new life in Christ. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What do we need to give up? How do we need to grow up? What do we need to grieve? How is God calling us to grow in, our gra- in his grace? 
what area of life, just surrender it and, and, and talk to God about this. Give it up, grieve it, grow in God's grace. Father, I know it's a, a, a battle every day to do this. I pray you'd help each of us as we take these steps, as you stretch our faith, as you accomplish your purpose in our life, for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.